Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. Uh, obviously a big game coming up this weekend with Seattle taking on the Arizona Cardinals, a Cardinal team that I think has surprised everybody with the 8-2 and two start and trying to break down this team, break down this division. Joining us is Ron Wolfley, who does uh, color for the game and also uh, was over at 98.7 uh, Arizona Sports. And so, Ron, I guess the big thing to talk about is – Talk about the ankle injury that's uh, there for Kyler Murray and what's the expectation? Because, you know, when he suffered the injury, you know, it wasn't made to be a big deal. Then it came out the next couple of days it was going to be a one- to three-week injury, and he's missed two games, which have been critical. So how's it look right now for Kyler Murray? Yeah, boy, that's a great question, Johnny. It really is uh, one that I don't know I can give you a definitive answer on right yeah. now. I, I do know that he suffered it at the end of that Green Bay Packers game. Um, we do know that he's missed two games because of it. Um, one game, Colt McCoy went out there and, oh my goodness, lit up the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> and then the next week at home, just could not get anything going against the Carolina Panthers. Those two games um, really have um, added a lot of weight to whether or not Kyler Murray is going to play this weekend in Seattle. My guess, Johnny, through it all, is that he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, uh, what what kind of drop off was there? Obviously, it didn't. Uh, it was what wasn't bad for the first week with Colt McCoy, but then Colt McCoy comes back, and then last week it's a chest injury, and you know things didn't go well there. But how much of a drop off is there not having Kyler Murray on the field? Well, you can only imagine, John. I, this is a situation where you guys have Russell Wilson mm-hmm. up in Seattle. How much of a drop-off is there when Russell Wilson is not your starting quarterback? I think for the most part, Russell is more unicorn than anything else. And as I say that, it's very interesting because we got a couple of unicorns, I think, in the NFC <laughs> West because Kyler Murray is the Russell Wilson comp. 5-10 and an 8th. The moment he stepped up to that tape measure and got hit at the combine with a 5-10 and an 8th, um, I can tell you people immediately started comparing him to Russell Wilson. I think the comparison has held up over the first three years uh, here in the National Football League. So there's a massive drop-off with Kyler Murray when he's not out there. And yet at the same time, it was so perplexing, John, to see the Arizona Cardinals go to San Francisco go to San Francisco with Colt McCoy as their backup quarterback and just destroy the San Francisco 49ers and then come home against the Carolina Panthers, um, a Carolina Panther team that was in a state of decay, metaphorically speaking, and to watch them actually lose to that team with a backup quarterback at home um, it was stunning. It, I've never seen the Arizona Cardinals play that badly. I will also tell you that um, I've never seen a good football team play that badly as I did last week against the Carolina Panthers. John, their energy level from the very beginning was palpable. It, it was so apparent. 
Um, so what is the drop-off? The drop-off, I think, in that second game is clear. The consistency is not nearly as um, consistent, let's put it that way. Yeah, but that's what we're seeing league-wide. I mean, again, it's like uh, there's apparently no great teams right now in the whole league. I mean, I don't know, maybe you can start to talk a little bit about Tennessee having you know five straight wins against five straight playoff teams from last year and being 8-2. and two. But again, you saw Buffalo. They ended up uh, you know losing to Jacksonville. I mean, you've seen Baltimore you know losing. I mean, it's like every, every team that's supposedly good has a stinker out there or a couple stinkers that's going to to be uh, uh, that affects them that is that is the one thing john i i was sure was going to happen to the arizona cardinals yeah um in the second half of the season not once maybe a couple times it would happen over the course of the rest of the season to lay an egg you knew that was coming listen they didn't lay an egg against the green bay packers they turned the ball over twice deep in their own end, basically gave the Packers 10 points and still had a chance to win the game on the last play of the game. It wasn't like they laid an egg against the Green Bay Packers, who had won six games in a row at that point in time. They did not. They went out and played a team that played better than they played. They got beat. Um, What happened last week against the Carolina Panthers was that was the, the definition of laying an egg. And you're right. All, all across the National Football League, you can see it. I, I just think that I don't want to say parody. Parody is a cruddy word. It has a negative connotation to it. That, oh my goodness, everyone's just so blah in the National Football League. Everyone's just so average in the National Football League. That's why we've got a lot of teams with two losses in the NFC. Listen, um, It's competitive, and that's the way it should be. You're talking about the hyper-aggressive alpha male league on the face of the planet in the National Football League, and it should be competitive. It always has been hard to win in the National Football League, and every year is a year-to-year proposition, but this year, more so than anything else we've seen, it's so true how hard it is to win in the NFL. Yeah, it really is. And of course, I mean, particularly in the NFC, because again, you look over in the AFC, you know, they've got, you know, literally about 12 teams. They're competing for playoff spots because, I mean, you go to the Indianapolis Colts and they're five and five and you got about 11 teams with winning records. But in the NFC at this moment, I mean, what, there's only like six teams with winning records and a team like the New Orleans Saints is dropping quickly because, you know, they've they've lost their quarterback and Jameis Winston. I mean, Alvin Kamara is now hurt. They've got the worst receiving core in the National Football League. And so literally what you're looking at, and this obviously doesn't affect Arizona, doesn't affect the Rams, is that, uh, I mean, you, you can see that there could probably be two nine-win teams, nine and eight, make the playoffs. No, you're right about that. And again, I, I did not like the fact that the NFL expanded the playoffs. I, I did not like that for the record. I will let you know that. Okay. Um, I don't like it. I don't like it when half the league 
gets into the postseason. I think that just waters down everything. I realize we're only talking 14 and not 16 teams. But my question to you, Johnny, I know you talk to the commissioner. How long is it going to be before we have 16 teams that actually are going to the playoffs? I, I just don't like it. Uh, 12 was right where it should be. A little over a third of the league actually gets to the postseason. I thought that emphasized the postseason and gave it its proper place. Um, but, you know, okay, so I'm going to go along with the fact, obviously, that you can't fight City Hall. Uh, Roger Goodell is only going to continue to expand the playoffs, in my opinion, mm-hmm. going forward. And because of that, okay, deal with the new National Football League. This is the way that it is. But, um, yeah, you talk about seven teams from each conference getting into it and only one team having a bye. The only thing I like about the new construction of the postseason in the NFL is the fact that one team gets a bye. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do like that, Johnny, because that means, man, you get that top spot, and that really is critical right there. Um, look, uh, the Cardinals have got to continue to focus um, on getting this team healthy. 17 guys, John, 17 guys on the injury report today. So the, the buy is coming up for the Arizona Cardinals. I'm really encouraged because I think they're on the precipice of turning it around. And when I say that, they've lost two of their last three games. And if they can just get some guys healthy, I think they're going to be fine going forward. Of course, I mean, the one uh, concern other than Kyler Murray is DeAndre Hopkins because he's had that hamstring injury, and that still seems to be setting him back. Yeah, D-Hop, he's just a weird situation. Here's a guy that missed two games, two games in his career when he showed up here. Two games, and now all of a sudden here he is missing the last two games, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a weird occurrence for DeAndre Hopkins, no doubt about it. He's a guy that um, a lot of people get on him for his practice habits and the fact that he's he's taking – practices off during the week well you know what d hop knows what he's got to do to get his body right but he has always been a gamer he has always lined up and played in games and now all of a sudden yeah he's missed the last couple of games and it's really impacted the offense um now listen kyla murray of course hasn't been there but it's impacted the offense because when you have a clear-cut number one receiver like deandre hopkins is man and it just simplifies everything that the defense is trying to do because every defensive coordinator that comes in and plays the Cardinals, the first job they have, job one, is to take away DeAndre Hopkins. How are you going to do that? That is why it simplifies everything for Cliff Kingsbury, the play caller for the Arizona Cardinals. But, you know, once again, um, D-Hop, I think, has a chance of playing this weekend. But I don't know. I think Kyler Murray actually has a better chance of playing than D. Hop. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Chase Edmonds, who actually has done pretty well at running back, he goes on injured reserve, and that takes away a little bit of the running game. Oh, I know. My goodness, it does. Um, but I will tell you right now, Johnny, and I know you know James Conner well, yeah, but it, I yeah. will tell you, uh, he is lighting it up. James Conner. 
at 6'1", 232 pounds. The, the biggest surprise, I think, is here's a guy that is not only hammering the line of scrimmage. Here's a guy that is not only attacking the line of scrimmage and finishing his runs. But, Johnny, I had no idea. This guy's got hands. This guy catches the ball really, really well coming out of the backfield. And you know what else? He's got a little shimmy. He's got a little shake to him, uh, a little shake and bake that I didn't know that he had. I thought he was more of just a slash runner, pick a shoulder, and run through you or try to run over you. Not only is he doing that, but he's also got a little shimmy and a little shake to him. Um, Chase Edmonds, there's no doubt about it. He's like having another coach on the field. He's excellent out of the backfield. He can uh, run wide receiver routes as well. Um, He's a big part of this offense. But, man, I I have to tell you right now, James Conner, how many touchdowns has James Conner scored? He's right there for the tops in the league. He's a guy that is producing an awful lot. The Cardinals, part of the Cardinals in this new team philosophy uh, can be embodied in James Conner because they went out in the offseason, they tried to get more physical and bring leadership into the locker room. James Conner is both of those things. He's more physical and he's a leader. Hmm, fantastic. Talk a little bit about the offensive line because, uh, you know, I think that that probably has performed better than anybody expected. But, boy, they've made a bunch of changes at center, I think. Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt about it. The the offensive line um, really was playing very very well. DJ Humphreys, of course, at left tackle. Then you had Justin Pugh at left guard. Rodney Hudson, Rodney Hudson. You want to talk about yeah. uh, an acquisition in the off season by Steve Kime that might be the most important. Rodney Hudson. Here's a guy that not only is playing well, Johnny, on the field, um, the tangible of going out and being a coach that happens to be 315 pounds and can actually play center and snap the ball and still be a coach and get everyone else lined up. He has been fantastic, but he's also a leader. He's also a guy that can talk to Kyler Murray and speak into Kyler Murray's career, so to speak. And then you've got Calvin Beecham, of course, at right tackle, and Josh Jones at right guard. And Josh Jones really has struggled at right guard. And Justin Pugh has been nicked up, missed the last game, as a matter of fact. And now all of a sudden you're you're kind of worried about his availability and the cohesiveness of this offensive line, the chemistry of this offensive line as well. The guard position has been... um, up and down because of the injuries, up and down because of the availability. And Josh Jones, again, the inexperience at right guard. But overall, John, I I think, um, you know, he would have to say the offensive line has been solid, to say the least. The, The Arizona Cardinals are number eight in terms of rushing yards per game in the National Football League. And that they're hanging in there on third down. They're hanging in there on sacks per attempt. Um, They're right in the middle of the pack for the most part. So I would say because of the injuries and because of the availability and lack thereof, the cohesiveness and the problems thereof, I would to say that they're probably average right now at this point of the season, but hoping to get better as they heal from injury. How good is this Arizona Cardinals defense? 
Man, I, that is, for me, listen, we all look at the Arizona Cardinals and their offense. Yeah. And their offense, Johnny, there's no doubt about it. They they are a talented, talented bunch. Um, Kyla Murray, it starts there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, of course. A.J. Green. Um, Zach Ertz. <laughs> James Conner, Chase Edmonds, on and on and on it goes. And Christian, I didn't even mention Christian Kirk. Um, look at, they've got all sorts of weapon. And their, I would say their offense is Super Bowl caliber. But I will tell you the defense makes them a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. Um, everyone focuses on the offense, and rightfully so, when it's the defense that up until this last game against the Carolina Panthers, my goodness, up until this game, they were the number three scoring defense in the National Football League, giving, giving up 17.3 points per game. They were an elite football team in terms of yards per game, and they still are giving up um, their number four, I believe, in total yards per game and number five in total yards per play. Hey, Johnny, you put those two things together right there, you're doing a really, really good job. And I would say in particular, their pass defense has been fantastic. Elite, once again, in terms of yards per game allowed and yards per play allowed via the pass. Um, and number seven in sacks per attempt. So a top 10 team getting after the quarterback. Number eight in terms of first downs allowed. Number five in terms of third-down defense. I mean, this the, the defense has been the story of the season as far as I'm concerned until this last game. Mm-hmm. They played the Carolina Panthers. Look, everybody, here comes P.J. Walker. He's thrown 71 pass attempts in the National Football League. Oh, yeah, they've got Christian McCaffrey back, but they lost their starting center and their starting left tackle. And I think all of this started to add up in that Cardinal defensive and I think they looked at themselves and said, you know what, I mean, we're going to go out there. I think we all know what's going to happen to the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers came out and ran the ball, and they ran the ball well. And, Johnny, I have to tell you that that is, that is the way you beat the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I will say that um, the Tennessee Titans, they went out in the first week of the season and they shut down Derrick Henry. There's no doubt about that. I will say the Cleveland Browns, when they went to Cleveland and played Cleveland, who was the number one rushing team in the league um, at the time, they went out there and they shut down the Cleveland Browns. Okay, now no Nick Chubb, of course, but Kareem Hunt was still there. And the last time I checked, that's a pretty good running back right there. And they shut him down. But from time to time, and this is something that I think the Green Bay Packers really kind of exposed, from time to time, the Cardinals have had a hard time stopping the run. You've got to commit to running the ball offensively, and you've got to try to run the ball in between the tackles. And if you do that, if you commit to running the ball, I think that's where you're going to find the metaphorical soft underbelly of the Arizona Cardinals is running the football. And I think they'd be the first one to tell you that they got to fix their rush defense. The Green Bay Packers came out, and that's what they did. They, they, they developed the blueprint as to how you beat the Arizona Cardinals. You run the ball, 
run the ball in between the tackles, you possess the ball, and you win the turnover battle. And that's exactly what the Packers did. Now, listen, it's a lot easier to do that, right? It's a lot easier said than done, right, John? Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> You know, you just can't. Yeah, it's easy to say. Well, they, you, you know, they've they've created the blueprint for how you beat the Arizona Cardinals, which I think the Green Bay Packers truly did. Yet it's another thing to go out and execute that and be capable with the raw material of of replicating that blueprint and actually executing that. And the Packers did that. They ran the ball in between the tackles. They won the game. The Forty ers The 49ers, and I wonder if Kyle Shanahan has any regrets on this. They ran the ball 11 times against the Cardinals. 11 times, John. They played right into the hands of the Arizona Cardinals by not trying to attack in between the tackles. I was shocked. Um, I know there were some other people in the organization as well that were shocked. I'm sure some of the players were shocked. But, yeah, uh, the 49ers didn't try to run the ball, and they lost. Now, all of a sudden, the Carolina Panthers, they come into town. They try to run the ball, and they ran the ball very, very well. And in particular, in between the tackles with Christian McCaffrey, and they won. Mm -hmm. There is your blueprint over the last three weeks, and I would be shocked if Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks don't come out and try to run the ball, in particular, between those tackles. I know you've got D.K. Metcalf. I know you've got Tyler Lockett. But to me, um, if they don't do that, I think that will be a mistake. No question. Hey, wrapping it up, uh, what about uh, the loss of uh, J.J. Watt, and how much does that hurt the defense? Oh, man, you know what? Honestly, it has hurt the defense a lot. And in particular, um, running the ball in between the tackles. J.J. Watt was doing a very good job against the run. They miss him in a very tangible, on-the-field kind of way. They miss him going out there and doing a good job against the run. Um, But they also miss him in a big way with his intangibles, John, with, with his leadership. I know what it was like to play alongside of some great football players. I do. I know what it was like to look over and see Kevin Mack, um, look over and see Bernie Kosar. Um, I know what it was like to look over and see Otis Anderson and Stump Mitchell and, and Neil Lomax and to disappoint them in any way, shape, or form that would have been just nauseating to me. I think J.J. Watt has that kind of impact on a lot of guys that line up next to him. Not only the guys who line up next to him, but also maybe the guys on the opposite side of the ball who watch him play as well. He he is a great leader on the field and off the field, and I think they miss him in both those areas. Ron Wolfley, always great to talk to you and always good to get the update on the Cardinals because it's been a great season for them. And I want to thank you so much for uh, joining us on Schooled with the Professor. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.